Welcome to Three Little Things, a natural health podcast. We've created this space to help you positively navigate the world of holistic and natural well-being, where each week we will explore something new and dive into a diverse range of holistic health topics from all walks of life. As chiropractors, we are equally passionate about helping educate, share and empower you on your well-being journey. Created with you in mind, Three Little Things aims to bring you digestible topics and applicable tools and strategies to help you grow, thrive and live well. So let's dive in. Welcome back to Three Little Things. This is episode eight and today is another exciting episode. My name is Sarah and as always I'm joined with my co-host Lily and today we have another amazing guest Charity and I'm going to get Charity to introduce herself in a little minute but today we're going to be talking about energy and hacks for all day energy but before we kick that off Lily's going to share a little bit about what the episode's going to be and what we're going to talk about um, and set the stage a little bit. Good evening or good afternoon, good morning, wherever we are. Today we're going to speak to Charity, who is our local amazing nutritionist in Freshwater, which is New South Wales, um, Australia. And Charity is going to fill in a huge gap in our um, healthcare system. So in the beginning, as you guys all know now, we're really interested in the triad of health. So that's the, the physical part of us, the biochemical part of us, and the mental emotional part of us. And as you all know, Sarah and I are both chiropractors, um, both with a great interest in pediatrics and um, women's health, but also sports health and the general population. So in the beginning, we wanted certain words to fall into your consciousness quite comfortably. So we called them actually magazine words. So we began to use words like homeostasis, refer to episode one for all this, vagal tone, um, sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system, and basically our immune systems and how to live the best lives. So today we're really keen to hear what Charity has to share with us. So so hold on tight, everybody. Charity, I would love you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and you know what's created you to this point today and, and a little bit about your story. Awesome. Thank you for having me for Sarah and Lily. It's a pleasure to be here. And my story begins as a child, really growing up in a household that was quite healthy and quite balanced, but put a lot of emphasis on looks and dieting. And it created quite an unhealthy mindset around food and health. I grew up thinking that nutrition was all about restriction and how to eat as little as possible and lose weight as quickly as possible. But now I realize through my own struggles with my own health, my eating disorders, being overweight, underweight, even skin and gut issues, that that's the complete opposite. So my goal now as a practicing nutritionist and lifestyle coach is to put nourish back into nutrition. And I work with all kinds of people, a lot of parents, a lot of young adults and children as well to help them heal their relationship with food. So it's joyful, they understand the purpose and they can get the full benefit out of it. Just like you said, mentally, emotionally, biochemically, physically. So they have food freedom and they can confidently enjoy food and build plates that support them and their family's needs that work for them too in their in their lifestyle. Yeah, I love that. And just for our listeners to get to know you, tell us a little bit about what you do or what you love to do outside of work and outside of being an amazing nutritionist. Oh, outside of work, I do a lot of work, but outside mm. of that, um, I live with my amazing wife, Peta, in Freshwater. We've done a lot of travel. We actually met while traveling uh, on a Kentucky trip back in the day. And um, now we build just a beautiful little life in the northern beaches with our friends and family, enjoying bushwalking, hiking, and eating a lot of food. We, we love to get creative and see 
see what's in our refrigerator, what's in season, what's on special, and finding ways to make something simple, actually really delicious, gorgeous, and good for your body. So it all kind of ties back to what I do for work as well, I think. Yeah, cool. I love that. Um, And just before we get into today's stuff, tell us one interesting fact about yourself. Um, One interesting fact about myself, I tried out for American Idol when I was 16. Wow. Didn't go so well, but in turn, I had to learn a song uh, called We Built This City uh, about San Francisco at the time, which didn't think it'd have much value in my life till later when I was on another game show and it was one of the winning questions for a name that tune. So it came full circle. So actually helped me start my nutrition clinic, my own practice being on those game shows. So I tie it back to American Idol at 16. Oh, it's all meant to be, hey? Yeah, it all comes around. Amazing. And do you want to kick us off today with what we're going to talk about? Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about cortisol. So do you want to start there maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about three little hacks for all day energy, specifically on managing our cortisol levels, which control, that's our main stress hormone, with three simple five minute healthy habits that can have parents, teens, kids alike feel focused, engaged and energized in everyday life. So, you know, to start with as well, a lot of people aren't sure really what cortisol is. They think it might be a bad thing, but cortisol isn't good or bad. It's just our body's built-in alarm system. It controls our fight or flight response, our stress hormone, and it works with certain parts of your brain to boost your mood, your motivation, your metabolism, and it's produced by our adrenal glands. So first controlled by our pituitary gland in our brain, signals our adrenal glands just above the kidney there to release this hormone to help regulate that, I guess, daily rhythm as we use our energy throughout the day. So we've all felt kind of that surge of energy or adrenaline when we confront something threatening or stressful. Maybe our kid has fallen and hurt themselves or we nearly miss an accident on the road. And that surge you feel isn't just adrenaline, that is cortisol and that is blood sugar rushing throughout our body to survive basically. So we no longer are focused on digesting our food or you know thinking about happy things. We're in that fight or flight mode, just the same as our ancestors being maybe chased by a bear or lion you know, in the woods. Uh, we are focused on get out and deal with this as much as possible. However, if we're under lots of stress all the time, it can kind of trap us in that feeling of, you know, one little thing, maybe it's a work assignment that's coming up that you've been you know, stressing about. Maybe it, your kid has an exam or starting school for the first time and it consumes us and it makes us feel like there's a million lions chasing us at every one time. And that can be really detrimental. That can cause um, indigestion, not absorbing our nutrients properly, can cause lack of sleep. It can cause inflammation in the body. Um, again, it can also cause weight gain too, particularly around the middle of the body, which puts us at health risk for certain diseases and ailments and isn't very comfortable for a lot of people. I find modern people today are trapped in that cycle, that stress Mm. cycle where we feel like there are a million lions chasing us. Even one little thing can tip us over the edge. Now, having too much too can lead to more serious conditions like Cushing's disease um, and, you know, even low libido, increased blood pressure, and it's all connected body, mind, and spirit that gets affected by this. For some people who might have too little cortisol too, now this can be a not so good thing as well. Muscle weakness, loss of appetite, actually muscle wasting and um, weight loss, unwanted weight loss can happen. Pain as well for a lot of people. So it is important to have balanced cortisol levels so that you are feeling engaged and feeling like your best self. Yeah. And I know we've spoken about this before, Lily, but we like that sort of sympathetic, parasympathetic, right? So that fight and flight state that we're seeing so many people in for 
more time than they what they should be. Um, and we see it in, in our practice as well. And I'm sure you see it coming through your doors every day with with people. But I think particularly at the moment when there's this, you know, transition of time that one, it's coming into, you know, a festive season and a, a season where we're going to see a lot more friends and family. We're going to be busier. We're going to be sort of in that go, go, go mindset, but also coming out of lockdowns around the world. Um, I know I'm seeing, you know, so many patients who are, yeah, trapped in this fight or flight, trapped in this sympathetic dominant state um, and really struggling to get out of it. And I think you hit the nail on the head when there's, you know, there's heaps of components that contribute to it, but cortisol and, and the food that we eat definitely plays a huge part in that. So I can imagine that you're just seeing it every day in your practice. Oh yeah. A lot of people come in just wanting to pull their hair out or not even breathing. That's a big thing, not even breathing. So sitting down and talking through it, taking some deep breaths and lowering it in the moment, you can see them walk out just glowing and happier and feeling more in control in a natural way. So yeah, you do see it. I feel it too. Mm. You know, even if we're not directly affected by a global pandemic, we feel that in our body Yeah, and our body's always going to be on high alert and it can fatigue us and it can burn us out. And then we use a polar cortisol. So then we have nothing and we experience the other side of it, the wasting away where it's almost like, well, there's no fear and no lions ever to ever exist. So why bother? And our motivation to do even the basic stuff, let alone things we enjoy, isn't there. So we just feel trapped in a body and a mind that's not really our own. So I'm mm-hmm. um, going back to one of our previous episodes. Um, we brought up the word um, choice because it sounds like a trap when it's described like that. But when someone's operating on an optimal level, they can stand back for that and say, well, what are my choices? Mm-hmm. And I would imagine food choices um, are very important because looking mm-hmm. at your um, brief discussion here regarding inflammation and histamine control, I mean, these are all things people take drugs for normally. And I would love to hear what you have to say about uh, managing it from a um, food perspective. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely can manage this, especially if you're in the early stages or feeling that first feelings of trapped in that cycle of up and downs with healthy habits and with nutritious foods, because um, a lot of processed foods and inflammatory foods just put us back in that cycle. It's that quick fix, that you know bliss point in our brain that lights up a quick hit of dopamine, but then we use that all up, we deplete, and we're back in that stage of feeling nothing, that drop in cortisol again. So creating little healthy habits is super important for adults and also our children. Our children feel stress and they have imbalanced cortisol too. Infants can feel it, and you know as adults it affects us, but kids, it can affect very differently too. Um, If they're in high stress situations, they're focused on survival. They're not going to be using their energy and their growing cells to focus on bone development and learning and um, mood management. They're focused on getting by. So studies show that kids and infants who are in very stressful households um, or very hectic ones where the cortisol is just through the roof, that they do struggle developmentally and can be behind their peers, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So it's important for anyone of any age. And um, I'm happy yeah, to share three little hacks uh, for kids, adults, babies alike, for the whole family, really, or household on how to manage your stress and balance your cortisol levels really beautifully. That works for you. So mm, yes, happy, to, yeah, happy to jump into it. You know, a lot of it has a bit of food, but I find as a nutritionist, you're our lifestyle coach and you're a bit of a life coach in some ways. So a lot of it's lifestyle that does go hand in hand with it. So I've separated our three hacks um, into morning, afternoon, and evening to make it nice and easy so that anyone listening today can find something that works for them in their household. So the first hack for managing our stress levels for the household is right when the day begins. A beautiful sun bath 
and timing your caffeine. So sun bath goes for everyone. Timing caffeine, ideally this is for maybe the parents or adults in the household. So how it works is that our cortisol is the highest when we wake up. It helps us boom out of bed, get ready for the day, a natural stress to get us going, get our engines going. If you're a person who's experienced burnout, sometimes you lack a lot of this and it's really hard to get out of bed. That's definitely me some days. Poor PETA having to deal with me in the morning. But uh, one of the most important things you can do, it's free, it's easy, is get sunlight onto your face. So particularly around our eyelids. Don't want to stare directly at the sun, but even opening the blinds and having the sun come in at breakfast with the family, stepping onto your balcony, balcony, maybe stepping outside and going on a walk if you're able to as well. This is going to increase your serotonin, your dopamine level. So you're going to start the day happier as well. It's going to decrease that cortisol and manage it to a level that's not going to make you feel panicked, but give you a steady stream of it. So you have energy throughout the day. It's going to help you as well decrease your melatonin in the morning so that you're not feeling as sleepy and reserve that melatonin for the nighttime when you really need it. So morning sunlight is so powerful. So 5, 10, 15 minutes if you can. Get it onto your beautiful faces, onto your eyelids. Don't stare directly at it, but get it onto your face and you're going to feel that benefit straight away. Beautiful. Just quickly ask a question here. When medical people do um, cortisol tests or if you want to test for someone's um, cortisol levels, um, what do you like? for them to ask for from a medical doctor? To test for their cortisol levels, well, uh, a lot of this time uh, it can be through a saliva test. That's the most mm. accurate. So cortisol saliva testing, okay. I find, um, can be helpful. Now, it also can be done with a counselor or psychologist mm -hmm. too, just to talk about their physical reactions based on their emotions and their daily routine can be a less invasive source. But normally saliva test is, mm, is okay. what I've had people check. All right, because mm -hmm. back in my day, it was um, the first urine um, of the morning. Oh, uh, yeah, they can do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, saliva they often do in the morning and the evening and urine can be the same. So if they're thinking that somebody has uh, low cortisol, often they'll test it in the morning from, I'll, I'll double check this, but test it in the morning. It's been a while since I've facilitated that. And then um, if they have high cortisol, test it in the evening to see if it's still kind of lingering there. So in the morning, it's like, oh, do we have enough? In the evening, it's like, are we having too much is how they'll test that. Great. Thanks. Yeah, so it's, you know, super important that, you know, cortisol is one thing, but cortisol also affecting our sleep-wake cycles, which you touched on there. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's one thing to have either, you know, these spikes of cortisol and have this huge surge of energy or, or really low energy. But um, I think that goes hand in hand with our sleep cycle. And I think that's there's a there's a thing there with people that they don't quite make that link, that connection to each other. And I think that's a yeah really important point that you made. So when it's really cloudy like this, Charity, what do you suggest? Well, you're still going to get the benefits of it. Like ah. it's, you might not get uh, as much direct heat, which mm. also has some benefit, uh, but you're still going to get some sunlight. That's why we can still get sunburnt even on a cloudy day oh. because it does penetrate. So there still is benefit even getting outside. Now, if it's bucketing down rain, it's not always possible, but they do, um, they do often sell uh, sunlight I guess, mechanisms that you can have to connect to your alarm clock. There are sunlight alarm clocks, not quite the same effect, but can get your body woken up in a similar way and kind of ready for a bit of light, ready for a bit of day. Also using blue light filters on your electronic devices. And even if you have a blue light filter on your, if you're on your glasses, if you wear glasses, um, those can be really effective too, to help the body feel like it's getting natural light rather than that fake kind of blue light too. So those are ways to hack it if you are in a place that is a little more dreary or if 
if it is a season where there's a lot of rain and not a lot of sun at all or just not possible to get outside, maybe you're in quite a severe lockdown, uh, I'd say, yeah, sun alarm clock, uh, blue light filters, those can be very beneficial to, to get by in the meantime. Mm, fabulous. When people think sunlight, they think vitamin D and mm-hmm. we know vitamin D has some amazing benefits to the body. So do you want to touch a little bit about you know, the benefit of the vitamin D coming from, yeah, from the sunlight as well. Absolutely. So yeah, when we get into the sun, not only we're getting those happy chemicals, the balancing cortisol, but we're able to absorb vitamin D in our skin. Um, so this is going to help balance the body and help with growth and development for children. It's going to help with your energy production, your nutrient absorption for adults and also cell renewal as well. And as we age, making sure our bones, our teeth and our brains are staying strong and staying fit. So pretty much any age can benefit from that. And yeah, we absorb the most vitamin D really pretty much from our skin, um, some from food, of course. But um, it's really interesting for a lot of my vegan clients as well. They, they're always very concerned about getting enough vitamin D and mushrooms actually absorb the vitamin the same way we do in the sun. So if you have some button mushrooms, you leave them in the sunshine for about 10, 20 minutes, that increases their vitamin D to a really good absorbable level that is comparable to animal products that we get it in. So we're really just mushrooms with more emotions these days. <laughs> Excellent. Kept in the dark and fed um, BS. The definition of a mushroom, you know, oh. kept in the dark and... Oh, yeah. Suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So um, the the caffeine, that's interesting Mm -hmm. to me in particular. Yeah. So I'm a coffee lover. I don't know about you both. We've got a few coffees that are out here on the table today. And um, a lot of us go for coffee first thing in the morning because we're feeling like we need that boost. However, uh, a lot of studies with cortisol are showing that, you know, our, our body already has the most caffeine when we first wake up. It's really tempting to grab that first cup. I'm definitely guilty of it straight away. Some people three cups in the morning, but when we already have high cortisol and then we're pairing with a stimulant like caffeine, that can increase our cortisol and stress even more and can set us over the tipping edge. So we get kind of the negative effects of the stimulation of caffeine rather than getting the benefits and the little boost that it's supposed to give us. So ideally, and I encourage everyone listening and even you both to try at home if you'd like to have your first caffeinated beverage, whether it is coffee or tea, whatever your poison is, uh, to have it around two hours after waking. That's when our cortisol begins to dip. So let's say you're waking up normally around 6.30 or 7, 9 a.m., 9.30, our cortisol is actually going to dip. So if you have your coffee or tea then, you're going to actually ride that wave smooth. You'll get a little bit of boost, a little natural cortisol to get through that morning without fatigue. So uh, I normally recommend one to two if you enjoy caffeinated beverage in the morning. So for me, if I'm up at 6.30, best time is 9.30 and then maybe around 11, 11.30. And for people who are very sensitive, trying not to have any caffeine after that time is really important because it can affect our sleep later in the evening too. Caffeine can stay in our system up to 12 hours for some individuals. Hmm. So do you want to comment on those people who can have caffeine after dinner and still sleep through the night? What's yeah. going on there? Some strong genes, maybe strong <laughs> history, maybe some strong espresso in their Italian blood there. Yeah. Um, for some of those people, you know, they can handle it. They might not be as sensitive to the stimulants. Um, maybe they have built up tolerance to it. I mean, I when I was very unhealthy before I said nutrition, I was at 12 coffee a day gal working at a coffee shop by morning and working as a fitness instructor by night. I I could have a coffee and go to bed. Did I sleep very long? Was it very quality? Was my cortisol through the roof? Uh, No, no. Yes. So I was not in a good place there, but some people can do it. And, you know, it, I don't think it necessarily shows a medical condition, but maybe tolerance that they have there. 
Hmm. And I know you'll come to it in hack two and three probably, but what are your views on the um, fasting regime people are on these days? I think it's a 16-8 or mm-hmm. they're not eating at all till... Well, what's the, the schedule? Yeah, so a bit on intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for some people, uh, they find benefit when it comes to intermittent fasting, maybe for those who need to control their blood sugar levels. Maybe they have a lot of weight that they're trying to lose. Maybe they have stomach issues and trouble with digestion, so they're having their digestion system have a bit of a break. So for certain individuals who don't need to eat first thing in the morning, there are benefits for having a 16-hour fast and then an eight-hour eating window. Uh, so I'll do some math here on the top of my head. So if it's like 10 a.m. when they have have their first meal or snack, they'd be having their final meal or snack by 6 p.m. Um, so that would be an example of an eight-hour window. And there are a lot of benefits because our body is constantly putting energy and blood flow to digest, 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 digest. When you give it a bit of a break in the morning, your body now has a bit of energy and blood flow to do other things. Some people notice old injuries or past broken ankles get a little sore because the body's actually going through something called autophagy, where it's breaking down old scar tissue and old... Um, Uh, scar cells and metabolizing it. We're breathing it out. So fat loss in a similar way too. It's able to use fat for fuel if you do have any excess fat, particularly visceral fat. That's a fat around our organs. That's not particularly very safe to have a lot of. So I find a lot of people do benefit. Um, It can also help when it comes to snacking too or making sure you have quality over quantity foods. So if you are having just a couple meals that are really solid throughout the day, you're more likely going to get a lot of nutrition in that rather than maybe six tiny meals that you can kind of pick up. But it does depend on the person. I will say, you know, if you're a person who has to take medicine in the morning, if you're a person that has a really high stress job that takes a lot of power or you're a builder or a lifter in the morning, it might not work for you. Those who have to, you know, eat with a medication may not work for you. But if it does, make your first meal one that's nutritionally balanced, normally some protein in there, some veg, some healthy carbs, and you might find a lot of benefit to it. Hmm, great. Yeah, awesome. So that kind of leads us on to hack number two. Yeah, so we talked about morning routine, sunbathing and timing your caffeine a bit. Now, hack number two is all about snacks smarter, not harder. There's nothing wrong with having a snack if you're truly hungry, honor your body. But um, sometimes we eat something out of habit or just to fill a void. And we're actually not going to get a lot of energy out of there. Sometimes we can get a blood sugar spike and then a crash later. Let's think, you know, if you're having a bag of crisps or a bit of chocolate, these things are lovely to have in moderation but not really going to tie you over to have energy till your next meal or focus at, let's say, 3 p.m. when we normally get that dip. Uh, Some people go for coffee that can have the similar, you know, not so great effect of the ups and downs. So when I say snack smarter, not harder, it's giving your snacks some purpose. So this is something I work with clients every day with. So having something that is going to give you not just a little bit of energy, but a lot of bit of energy. So let's say a piece of fruit, that's a healthy option, right? Have some fruit or some veggies, but by itself, it's mostly carbohydrates. There's water vitamins, minerals, we're going to burn through it pretty quickly. We digest those items quickly. But now if you pair it with some protein or fats, let's say a bit of hummus with your gorgeous veggies, let's say it's some natural nut butter and some cinnamon with your apple slices or banana, that's now going to help you, oh, now we're getting hungry here, it's going to help you um, absorb the actual vitamins into your system to put them for energy. It's going to keep you satisfied and fuller for longer, not just yet full, but satisfied. It tastes good, right? And gives your taste buds, your brain a little bit of happy burst there. And it's going to turn, you know, fruit or veg, it might be one hour of energy now to two, three hours of energy there just by pairing those items together. 
And same goes for meals. You know, if you're finding you're hungry throughout the day or just not feeling awesome, take a look at your meals. See, okay, am I getting some healthy carbs? Am I getting fats? Am I getting proteins? What are the right proteins? What is a carbohydrate? See about building a plate that is more balanced and you're going to get the benefits. It's tempting to just do the broccoli and chicken or the salad and some salmon or tofu. We've all done it before. That's okay on occasion, but you might be missing out on some really great energy if you just would add a little bit of crushed nuts or some fats on there or you know, a little bit of quinoa or sweet potato for some yummy carbs. And that meal then is going to take you a lot further. I love that. And I, yeah, I think I'm, I'm all for building a healthy plate as well. And I think those snack options are, are some really apple and some nut butter are my favorite. Mm. So um, I think that's, they're really important little tips and, and hacks that people can go, oh, you know, I can easily implement that into my meal. You know, I can easily put some avocado with, you know, my salmon or whatever they're having. Um, like those tips are great. Now that we know them, then we can implement them. Mm -hmm. I think nutrition seems very overwhelming to most people when they don't, when they can't break it down into those little, you know, tiny little tips and hacks, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. It is a science, but it is also an art. And once you get a little understanding of the science, you can have fun with it. You can make your plate and use it as art and start to find what really works well for you or the person that you're looking after as well. And when we're well fed and we have good energy, we don't need to spike our cortisol. It's going to be cruising along the rest of the day to keep that steady energy that we need to yeah. And also, you know, we're finding, so we're, we have heaps of children to practice and in some families, they're really weird about fats, you know, because they, they equate the word fats with being fat. Mm. Whereas we're really big into building um, myelin sheaths, you know, um, that lining around a child's um, mm -hmm. nervous system mm. and all our brains going forward. So do you want to comment on some um, really yummy fats that should be on most people's plates? Yeah, absolutely. I love fats. Mm. And I, I understand that fear. I think uh, certain generations are afraid of, afraid of fats. Certain ones are afraid of carbs. And now it's about, you know, putting nourishment back, not restriction. So some really great fats, depending, you know, if, you're, if your child or yourself can tolerate and is allergic to it would, of course, be avocado is a gorgeous one. Lots of vitamins, minerals, tiny bit of protein in there. Um, that's going to help your kids and yourself absorb the nutrients, be satisfied tree nuts uh, so things like walnuts and your cashews and almonds if you can safely have them um, even as a nut butter is really gorgeous go for natural you know if you're looking on the container no added salt or sugar you can find some beautiful ones that's just a pure ground nut which is absolutely gorgeous or you can make your own if you've got that kind of time and resources which is always fun um, I would also say like seeds like chia and flaxseed blended up in a beautiful little smoothie bowl with the puree for your children is gorgeous and even um, if you do have seafood food, omega-3 fatty acids coming from fatty fish. So uh, salmon, if it can be wild caught, is ideal. There's going to be higher levels of absorbable um, essential fatty acids, uh, sardines and mackerel as well. Beautiful, healthy, easily absorbed fats that does help. Yeah, coat the joints, coat the spine, help with brain development for our kids. Um, and then occasionally, you know, if you like some dairy, some full fat dairy, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's a part of your lifestyle and your family, um, full fat cheeses, cottage cheese, cream cheese um, it's something you enjoy there's no shame in that having a little bit of those guys you know if it's coming from nature it's not necessarily going to be a bad fat quote unquote uh, there are some fats that are more beneficial than others and those guys are great options the ones to maybe I would steer away from is more like the trans fats the deep fried foods and the chips and the schnitzels and things that um, are more processed and don't really 
help our body build, they can cause inflammation and cause resistance when it comes to development. Um, natural cold press oils too, like olive oil, hemp seed oil, um, flaxseed oil is also lovely. Ideally not heated up. So just maybe drizzled on the food um, or drizzled on the salad, whatever you might be having or blended in is, is really lovely as well. Mm, yeah. I mean, I would just love every parent to come and do one of your courses, you know, and just yeah. say, well, this is what I'm going to feed my my family, you know, mm-hmm. my studying, studying with my children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you said right in the beginning with your intro, you know, it would be anti-inflammatory. It would help um, histamine reduction, mm-hmm. nutrient absorption, mood, mm-hmm. learning. I mean, who, who wouldn't want all that? Right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think also too, um, I know you work with a lot of parents and families, um, as do we. I think, you know, if you can tap into the kids or, you know, from the parents to the kids, parents are very happy to change their ways or to add things in and be a little bit healthier for their kids. And then I think that's going to be, you know, in, well, directly, you know, will affect them as well. Yeah. But I think also parents, I, I don't I don't know why, I don't know if you see this either, but parents um, seem to get confused or feel a bit overwhelmed with what they should be feeding their kids, thinking that it should be different to what we're feeding adults. Um, I don't know if you want to touch on that at all or if you see that at all. But Yeah, you do see that a bit. And like the goal, I think, with a balanced, healthy, happy lifestyle for everybody is you're not making separate meals for the family. Obviously, when Bub's first knew and we'll be touching that in a further episode, you know, taking things so. But once once Bubby's, you know, 12 months old and sitting at dinner table with the family, making it as normal and balanced as possible, exposing them to, you know, unique flavors that you as a family really enjoy. The the kids can handle it, you know, as long as they have a healthy, you know, balanced system. And it creates healthy food relationships too. You know, keeping the kids, eating with the family, talking with the family, seeing what you're eating. And I think you need it on the head, Sarah, when you're saying that, you know, we learn from our kids. Um, totally. Like we're looking to feed them more nutritious stuff. And it kind of says, oh, well, if, if they're having this, I'm taking time to feed them these healthy fats and proteins and veggies. It's only two seconds more to put that on my plate or to make sure I have that too. And I had a lovely mom that I'm, I'm working with right now. And yeah, she was giving her kids the most beautiful, organic, perfectly balanced foods and then having dry toast or leftovers if she allowed herself. And, you know, that's, you know, not necessarily showing the kids that, you know, throughout life that it's important to have. Um, it's also taking away your energy and focus to be engaged and to have a good mood and enjoy the process. So it's not a selfish thing. If you take time to balance your nutrition with your kids, it's actually selfless. So you can give the best of yourself rather than what's left of yourself. And you're eating the best rather than eating what's left. And your kids aren't going to see nutrition or food as something scary or stressful. They think, oh, this is just how we do it in our family. This is just what it is. And it's a beautiful tool in my life that should be easy and enjoyable. Mm. So touching on a previous subject, uh, we had an educator um, here with us and she went into something called the learning pit, which we usually end up in when we are um, in trouble, when all our past belief systems didn't work and we end up in the learning pit. So I love the way you began this whole podcast by giving us your own story, you know, which is... um, I guess sometimes our society is so vain. It's all about the looks and the weight and so on and the performance, you know. So this is actually one really great way we can regain some control and choice over um, getting out of that pit and reorganizing ourselves. Because I do know you work with young elite athletes too, don't you, Charity? Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And working with athletes is really interesting too because a lot of them are told they need supplements and they need stimulation or they need to be a certain weight and it can be very numbers focused and they lose sight of food or they're scared of food and 
they sometimes don't eat enough or don't eat at all because they they don't know what's going to help them. They feel like it's all going to hurt them. So reframing that and adding clarity and getting cortisol levels down, just like you said, Lily, so that they have focus. They're not in survival. They're in thriving mode. They can make choices and learn. They can have that energy to learn rather than to get by. So yeah, it's, it's awesome what you can see in even a few days, a few weeks with your athletes, uh, just getting some proper nutrition in them to perform, to recover, and to start to, to build muscle and to feel present to you in their training. I can see a whole bunch of young gymnasts and um, ballet dancers I'd love to send you, you know, because <laughs> those two populations of young athletes, um, I mean, it's, they're on show the whole time, aren't they? You know, yeah. yeah, and it's changed so much. I remember watching the Olympics this year, the Tokyo ones, and I read an article about how, you know, athletes, especially gymnasts in particular, they used to be quite developed. They were very much more womanly and they had um, more weight on them naturally to perform. But then it became an aesthetic thing in the 80s and 90s to look younger, look smaller, delay menstruation and to have a certain body weight. And some of these athletes seeing what they'd eat, it's not enough to fuel mm. a sedentary person, let alone someone who's pushing, pushing, pushing. And they might get through it naturally through their adrenaline and their young you know, bodies that recover quicker. But then in a few years down the line, their mental health, their emotional health and their physical health all really do suffer. It's a temporary sacrifice for actual not long-term reward, but long-term demise mm. for their health. And coming from Asia, where, where I come from, um, you know, being skinny isn't a good thing. Being skinny mm. means that um, you actually are quite poor. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, good nutrition is um, paramount. I mean, you, you know, people who live in, um, you know, Asian countries, um, they're not really on a diet, are they? <laughs> No, they, they live a pretty happy lifestyle. Yeah. Like a lot of my friends in Asia eat a lot of good food and a lot of fresh food, which is really beautiful, but still allow themselves those treats too. So the relationship with food's actually quite natural and healthy in those places because yeah, it's not a number focus and a number doesn't equal health on the scale. Like it's the most boring thing about a person, I always say. And um, it also doesn't show your morality or your value in any sense or your health really, you know, mm. it really doesn't. Good point. Yeah. And so do you want to lead us into uh, hack three, which we've sort of started to talk about? But Yeah, awesome. Hey, well, we talked about mornings. We talked about afternoons and meals, snacking smarter and eating smarter, not harder. And um, we did touch on this. And this is, has to do with our evenings. Now, there's a big, big trend in people, I think in my generation, big born early 90s, that carbs make you fat and avoid carbs at night. But carbs are our friends. So hack number three for the evening is carbs are our friends. Now, if we avoid carbohydrates in the evening, that can actually leave our cortisol levels pretty high and prevent us from getting into that melatonin stage where we start to decrease and relax and get ready for our evening. So carbohydrates, particularly really complex starchy carbohydrates, think starchy vegetables, whole grains, even some pasta, a little bit of bread, whatever you enjoy, potatoes. These are going to decrease your cortisol levels. They're going to increase your melatonin levels and your serotonin so that you start to get ready for that night's sleep. And when you get better sleep, your cortisol is more balanced the next day, you have better energy, and you're actually going to have more balanced hormones. So your food the next day satisfies you and your hunger is taken care of with the meals that you have. So it all, it's all ties back to the start of the day till the end of the day, doesn't it? 
Yum. Yeah. And it's that classic food coma, <laughs> right? Like, you know, when yeah. you yeah, you stuff yourself so full and then you have, you can't, they know what, you want to sleep. It's that, mm-hmm. you know, that's just that in a picture, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, protein's also really great, you know, especially ones that contain tryptophan. That becomes melatonin later for us to relax. So for maybe Americans or Canadians who their turkey Thanksgiving dinner, they're sleepy after from the tryptophan. That's what's happening and happens when we have our proteins, veggies for the hydration, vitamins, minerals, fibers to keep things flowing and going. And then, um, you know, your carbohydrates, these are going to help you relax. It doesn't mean you need to eat, you know, carb-based meal or, you know, the whole bowl, half the bowl's pasta or rice, but even half a cup, I'd say a quarter to half a cup is enough. So if you're a person who maybe can't metabolize carbs very well, maybe you are looking to lose weight and cutting back on carbs, maybe you're more paleo or doing ketogenic, um, a quarter cup to half a cup, orange starchy veggies, whole grains, those are the best quality. They have the best effect, particularly orange starchy vegetables and um, purple starchy vegetables. For women, they show, they're still doing studies to find out why, but um, it often shows that those are the most effective and produce the most uh, melatonin to help us relax and decrease our cortisol. So sweet potato, pumpkin, beetroot, carrots, these ones are like top of the line to help you relax into that sleep and still very weight loss friendly, very hormone friendly and delicious as well. Mm, So yummy. Mm-hmm. Don't forget those fats with it too, right? <laughs> to absorb it all <laughs> and be satisfied. I think the whole episode so far has been about quality. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, these foods are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I want to ask about um, foods at night is that what time do you or, you know, how many minutes or hours before mm-hmm. bedtime would be a good time to have your last meal? Yeah, normally you need about two hours to help the food go through that peristalsis. So, you know, from mouth to throat to stomach to start to digest just so that the body um, doesn't have interrupted digestion when it starts to sleep and brings its energy other places. So normally two hours before bedtime is ideal. Now, sometimes we are very hungry before bed and if you're starving, you know, that's stressful that's going to keep you awake at night. So there's no shame in having something small, easy to digest before bed if you need it. Not necessarily the best habit long-term, but listen to your body and its needs. So normally something small that has some carbohydrates and protein is really ideal. Uh, That could be, you know, some rolled up lunch meat. It can be a little bit of fish. It can be some almonds that you're going to have there. And uh, you can pair it with a whole grain cracker, a little bit of rice, a little bit of quinoa, a little bit of sweet potato. It doesn't have to be like a fancy snack and that can help soothe you and get you to bed and keep you happy and satisfied until the next day. Mm, a very liberating episode. Yeah, yeah a little more <laughs> food it. freedom, hopefully. and Food for thought. Yeah, so that's right. And I, like, I love the way you talk about bringing that nourishment back in, you know, mm. versus restriction. I think that's definitely been a trend or a fear that people hold on to is that, you know, nutrition is restriction or like, mm. you know, if these relationships with food are very restrictive based. And I don't personally like that. I don't think it's very sustainable long term either to be so restrictive in your eating habits. Um, it also creates really bad relationships with food. But I think when we can really simplify it and bring it back to, okay, well, is this food nourishing me? Is this plate built to nourish my body? Because that's ultimately why we need food, right? To fuel our body, to nourish our body, to keep us thriving and happy and healthy for as long as we can. So I think, you know, for us particularly, it's reminding people that, yeah, look at it as as a nourishment. Look at it as how it's nurturing your body um, versus a restriction or, or a diet, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. A lot of people have the misconception that nutritionists or dietitians are the food police, but really we're all about telling you to add things in rather than cut things out. It's not the rules, but it's the exceptions that we we focus on. And it can be hard for people. You know, we have a lot of 
false marketing and false news and these things that come into our mind and rules and yet to unlearn and to relearn a different way takes practice, you know? You have to live it to believe it. And once you start to get some results and be like, okay, the motivation gets up, it becomes a habit. And then it's just who you are. It's just your routine and it's very freeing and it's very delicious and very enjoyable. Yeah. Mm. I love that. So to kind of wrap this episode up, do you want to remind people what your three little things are, your three little hacks that people can take away into their day? Absolutely. So these three little hacks that are pretty much free, easy for everyone, applicable to whole family is hack number one in the morning sunbathing and timing your caffeine. Hack number two in the afternoon, snacking and eating smarter, not harder, like getting all those food groups in. And then hack number three is in the evening. Carbs are our friend and going to help us decrease our stress, sleep better and wake up more refreshed. I love that. And we're actually lucky enough to have Charity back next week um, on an episode where we're going to talk more specifically around babies and foods uh, or nutrition with babies. So um, definitely stay tuned for next week's episode. But do you want to share with our listeners where they can find you? Um, Obviously, we're all on the beaches, so we have plenty of listeners that I know would love a tailored approach to their healthcare and their nutrition and also just listeners around the world who I'm sure would love to find you and uh, hear about some of your amazing content that you share. Yeah, fantastic. I'd love to welcome you and your family's loved ones into my beautiful Freshwater office. So in Freshie, we're in the Freshwater Arcade there on Lawrence Street. If you want to have a visit, if you're local now for our global community listening in to or someone who wants to learn a little bit more before they may come in, you can find us at freshwaternutrition.com to learn more about my story, what we do, what we offer. And uh, you can even find us on Instagram too, at Freshwater Nutrition. We got lots of recipes, tips, interviews, uh, live videos on there, and we make it a lot of a really, really fun. So you can send us a DM, you can send us an email on there, you can give us a call. All our contact details will be on the website and Instagram. And um, we even offer free 15 minute discovery calls. So if you just want to have a chat and see what path might be right for you or see where you know the best direction might be going that's something that I offer to anybody who might be curious uh, and we'll pop all that in the show notes as well so people can can find it when they're listening to their podcast uh, and as always you can find us on Instagram at, at three little things and on Instagram as the three little things dot pod can't wait to have you back for episode nine so if you're listening and you're keen to hear more of what charity has to say please jump on to episode nine next week awesome thank you ladies this has been great A quick disclaimer, these episodes are not intended to replace help, treatment or advice from your healthcare professionals. The information in today's podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions. This is just a friendly reminder that we do not know you or your child or those around you and therefore do not know your specific needs. Please seek guidance from your healthcare professionals surrounding your concerns.